0: We're here for the long haul, and that's something I know our members, they probably value even more than the short term.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I'm your host, Carl Wiggers, and today I have two friends joining me, Andy Brown and Madison Plaisance of the Louisiana Farm Bureau. We'll learn more about them in a minute. Today we're discussing all things drought and the grassroots effort the Louisiana Farm Bureau has been leading on to make a change in the drought monitor. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our podcast. Please share it with your fellow farmers and ranchers and click the subscribe or follow button if this is your first time hearing this podcast. Now let's get into the episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. Today we're talking about drought and I'm joined by Andy Brown and Madison Plaisance. Commodity directors. I don't know. I'm, I could probably y'all's y'all's titles are long. Andy, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm commodity, public policy, national affairs director. There you go, Madison. This is your first time on the podcast. Yes. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Welcome.
1: To, what's your title? What are your job duties? Kind of what's what's your life look like here at the Farm Bureau?
2: Absolutely crazy at the moment. Uh, my first few weeks have just been me drinking from a fire hose, but I am a commodity and public policy director, just like Andy. I do have a different portfolio of commodities that consist of livestock, poultry, equine, dairy, shrimp and oyster, and water and natural resource activities and issues.
1: So cattle, livestock is one that are probably been pretty pretty affected by this drought discussion that we're about to have. You've Definitely. heard that a lot, I know. So, Andy, you were telling me before we started recording, Madison, you started, what, three weeks ago? Yes. Three, four weeks ago.
2: This is the beginning of, of my fourth yeah. week.
1: Kind of a crazy time to start and be absorbing this. And Andy, you don't really deal with drought as like with the commodities that, that are affected by it most right now, the livestock. You didn't deal with that last year because Ron Harrell was here. We had a drought last year. Tell us about kind of what you've learned, I guess, since trying to help Madison navigate this project, this, uh, this issue. Yeah, that's it's partially why people may, may or may not notice we changed the, or
0: added to the name of the Department of Commodity and Public Policy, because a lot of times these issues like drought, while our livestock, cow, calf, cattle folks are leading you know, this push or have this greatest interest in this current drought situation, drought impacts soybeans, rice, you know, other things that I work on. And then also, just naturally, kind of when you're in these roles, you find certain issues that you become kind of the expert on. If you look at Brian Bro, he's become a national expert in the labor space. Well, labor goes across all of our commodities, and there, you know, so that. Now, Madison and I can go to Brian if, if we have a soybean farmer that has a labor issue. Similar with me and disaster programs, for whatever reason, with my national affairs role and just the frequency that we have disasters in Louisiana, I have really tried to make Federal disaster programs kind of my wheelhouse, and have been successful in that. It's not something you really want to be the guru on, but uh, it's been you know necessary for somebody to dive into that. Especially here in Louisiana, yeah. So I helped Ron last year. We we did have a similar situation last year of a drought and some questions about how data collected about drought can impact these federal assistance programs. So I was involved there, but that. Uh, kind of turned a different direction, uh, and through Ron's leadership and Amelia Kent, our livestock chairwoman, and Jessica Lang that works in our department, they kind of went down this avenue of this cocoa raw data collection. Uh, we, you know, heard last year the the word was, well, there's not enough good data. We need more granular grassroots data, and we said, well, if anybody's good at grassroots, it's us. So. Uh, They created this whole Water Ranger program, and we involved the Ag Center and um, are utilizing youth and Master Gardener programs to do that data collection. But here it came again this year, uh, and this time we've kind of found some other things where we need to focus to make this not happen
1: again. Right. So let's bring it to this year. I mean, I feel like the week you started, Madison, is the week that... Everything was breaking loose except for the rain clouds, I guess, mm-hmm. and it it was all hands on deck. We've got a real problem here with our drought. The drought monitor wasn't really translating exactly what we were seeing here in Louisiana, especially you know up the I forty nine corridor. I mean, but it's really been across the across the board, even in Clinton. I did a story right around that time, maybe even the week before all this with Amelia Kent at mm-hmm. her farm, and. Yep bone dry everywhere so how did we kind of get to that point where it was like all of a sudden like oh my gosh we are in a real pickle where did how did that kind of come to well every
0: thursday that drought monitor the u.s drought monitor comes out and so as the summer went on and the heat continued and the the dryness you know lack of rain continued the folks that experienced this last year were paying far more attention to that drought monitor than they did, you know, in previous years. So, right, like you said, right around when Madison was starting and, you know, these stories were popping up, that monitor, that map was not progressing to what our members were experiencing. And so, that was really the first red flag that was brought to us was, this thing keeps saying I'm in D1 or D0. That's got to be a joke. Like I've got to be in D2, maybe D3, like, you know, they they've learned enough about this. Well, that hit Madison and I where we weren't, you know, we, we were far behind our members even on what that means. And so we had to get to work and start breaking that down and seeing what, you know, what makes up
1: these designations and how do we get there? Um I learned this 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 month that each of those D1, D2, D3 there are different levels of dryness or whatever, but once that they, those are also used to trigger disaster programs. And I didn't realize that. Like, can you explain some of that, one of y'all, either one of y'all, how that plays into it? to, like, getting disaster programs?
2: Yeah, I've been uh, trying to catch up and learn as quickly as possible. It also was kind of this whole drought situation was thrown in our face um, that week, particularly because we had a board meeting. On one hand, it was great to get to meet all of our board members, but on the other, uh, this was just a big, huge, in-your-face issue, but it was really good to get to talk to them and see... What experiences they're having on a day to day basis, right here in the um in the office, but about the programs, I actually just sent out a basic like need to know information sheet that Andy was telling you guys about about the assistance programs for livestock um owners. LFP is livestock and the livestock and forage um assistance program. So. I guess just a few little tidbits that we can tell you guys that would be helpful for LFP and the other assistance programs would be to document way more than you probably are doing right now. I was raised on a livestock ranch my entire life. I can't tell you where one receipt is at for uh, hauling in hay or liquid feed. That's just not something that a lot of um, people in agriculture do. It's all by word of mouth and just trusting the people that bring you stuff. But... Um, To capture assistance with FSA, you need to start keeping receipts for um, hauling in water, feed. um, Also for LIP, the uh, Livestock Indemnity Program, Um, it's super important to continuously keep track of your livestock deaths and situations that are happening on your farm and relaying that to your local FSA office so they can establish basically a death Threshold for your farm, and if you pass that threshold, if and when a disaster occurs, you um, qualify for assistance. So that's just a quick tidbit well, of information. And like Madison's
0: pointing out, like Lip and ELAP are the two that that require far more data collection. The other LFP livestock forage program depends far more on the drought monitor, and so that's and just to be frank about it, it's it's a much more user friendly program because you, you know, this drought monitor is your trigger point on whether you qualify or Mm. not. Yes, you have to be registered with FSA and you got to have a farm number and you got to have a lot of the red tape of government programs. But if you have those in place or can go get those in place, LFP will just show up in your mailbox, unlike the other two that require a lot more qualification, a lot more work to do. Yeah, And I mean, if you're a, especially for a cow-calf and if you bale hay and you're in the kind of system that Louisiana has, LFP is the desirable program. So Mm -hmm. that's the one that we started getting thrown in our face, like Madison said, or blown up about all this interest, but there was also all this concern because the drought monitor wasn't where it needed to be. And why that's so important, just to get in the weeds about it for a second, that program requires D2 for eight consecutive weeks. So you're it can be a very small sliver of your parish or your county, but it has to touch your parish for eight consecutive weeks in D2 to qualify for payment or D3 or D4 for one day. So if you're in a drought, it's, it's sad to say, but you're almost better off being in a severe drought quickly uh, than having to wait out this long extended period. Uh, and hopes you know you get to week six or seven, you're pretty much hoping it doesn't rain at that point because your hay crop's gone and and you're suffering. The so, damage has already been
1: done. You just need that program to kick in.
0: Yep. So that's what we started sorting out and started getting asked about. And it was the lag. It was the the lag time. Like this map's not progressing fast enough. And the threat was, like I just described. I'm in, you know, Allen Parish, and I've only been in D two for. Four weeks, but I'm what I'm seeing is way worse than that. I need some help. Ha, what happens if I get caught in the middle? So, all that panic came about all at once, and it came so fast and so hard with a lot of you know loud voices that it got the attention of a lot of people, all the way up to DC. I mean, we had congressional offices calling us. What are these programs? How do they work? Why? What can I do to help? You know, state legislators, state agencies, everybody, and that's that's really when Farm Bureau shines, and mm-hmm. that's when our jobs become even more important because we become crisis management at that point, and we try to direct all these people. Uh, we we become the pinch point between public outcry and public officials, public officials, elected officials, particularly don't want to look bad and don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And their constituents want help and are expecting their leadership to jump in and save the day. So a lot of that falls on us, Madison and I, and, and the Farm Bureau in general. And so we we went to work. We went to work figuring out these things and trying to channel things in the right direction to not let it get kind
1: of out of hand because yeah. we, were, we were pretty close to out of hand on this one. Yeah, that's one of the things that that's what Farm Bureau does. Like this is kind of our wheelhouse <laughs> to our grassroots. That That's what we are. um, And, and navigating this, and you mentioned kind of becoming an expert a little bit on disaster programs. I know you don't want to be an expert or you don't want to be as well versed as you are, but the reality is you work in Louisiana Farm Bureau and we deal with that a lot. So it is nice to be able to have that expertise and have that experience, that track record of, um, you know, whatever it may be, if it's, COVID affecting crawfish or drought affecting livestock or whatever it is, you've walked through some of these problems before. So now being able to use that expertise, use that and use our grassroots. So let's talk about some of the kind of, I guess, what the response was once we were kind of, I say we, I'm gonna take credit for some of this. <laughs> but once you guys were really tasked with, okay, we've got this problem, like we y'all figure it out. That's mm-hmm. I mean not not exactly probably what was told to y'all, but more or less probably what what was it what were our next steps? What were y'all's next steps in, in navigating through this and No, 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 you probably had to just read a lot, huh?
2: Yeah, I was about to say, so just like Andy said, we weren't very educated. I mean, this is my, that was my first week here. This is my fourth. and I'm still not a a genius or an expert on anything. So first off and foremost, we had to educate ourselves and try and find any issue, any nook and cranny that we could just, okay, maybe we can talk to this person and it would lead us and guide us into uh, some more information that we needed. But me and Andy got to work. I think we spent like three quarters of a day just reading constantly and going back and forth and talking about, okay, maybe this would be an avenue that we can take to better this long term. But we're trying to figure out what would be best short term, and then vice versa. So uh, a lot of educating ourselves.
0: I'll, you know, I think the the theme of this or kind of where we're headed, maybe with some of these punk podcast is a little more transparency about how Farm Bureau works. I'll just admit to you that week of the board meeting, we didn't have time to do that. We were getting so berated with questions and calls. And that's really, that was a misstep on my part that finally that weekend, I spent most of my weekend doing that reading, but I was able to finally kind of put the phone aside and stop answering panic questions and actually start diving into the X's and O's and figuring this thing out. We spent so much of our energy and that's finally, I mean, I even had to kind of step, you know, kind of go out on a limb with some of our leaders who wanted to keep calling and be like, look, we're going to handle this. We're going to get it figured out, figured out, but I need your help channeling all of this energy into something that matters rather than just continuing to stir up all these questions. We had so many questions that we didn't have time to look for answers. And so the first thing that we did that was really impactful, was channeling all that energy. And we took y'all's help, very much uh, involved the full gamut of Farm Bureau folks. And I walked across this hall and came to you and Allie and Avery and you know the whole gang and was like, hey, we got to get the word out and we got to channel our grassroots folks into how they can make a difference because they were, everybody was so ready to help. But didn't know how to do it. So that's where the Seymour reporting came out. We got hundreds of shares on Facebook. We had other states calling, wanting to, you know, figure out what we were doing. Uh, and that's a real testament to, you know, our organization that we have a really strong PR group that does have a good following. That's when that really becomes important. It's not just fun TikTok videos at this point. You know, it's really here's how you can make an impact. And we did that. And that was very we went from having zero reports for years to having we were the top reporting state in the nation in one one single week. It
1: probably was for a few weeks, if I had to guess. Well, yeah,
0: it continued on. But we went from zero to hundreds. And, you know, we went from 50th to first. And we held
2: that number one spot for a few few weeks.
0: Yeah. And it it that resonated with a lot of these people that. Madison and I were then calling. It's like, oh yeah, we've we've heard in Louisiana yeah, you've now. Made like, that we very know, clear, guys. Thank you. So we did that, and then while we kind of had everybody working in that regard, uh, Madison and I broke down the drought monitor, and what we figured out, just kind of cut to the chase on that side, was that the initial drafting each week of this drought monitor, our climatologist, our you know Department of Ag or our LSU, like nobody really has a big impact on that. That's a national thing from NOAA, USDA, and University of Nebraska at Lincoln. They have these 11 drought monitor authors that are climate, weather, data geniuses, and they pull all this data and they drag these lines around and they look at this map and they move stuff and they take all these factors in. But it's pretty subjective. I mean, it's one human once a week.
1: There's 11 that rotates.
0: Yeah. So it's only one person a week and they only do it two weeks in a row. So then you get a fresh set of eyes, you know, the third week. And so that's, they do that for a reason. You know, that's the scientific side of it is you want fresh set of eyes and unbiased and you don't get swayed. You just look at the data, but they very readily admitted to us and They being the drought monitor authors that they rely very heavily on a network of hundreds of people across the lower 48 states who they send a draft to every week to give them more local input. Like, hey, this stream flow data and these reservoirs in Lake Charles are showing me X, but they may not have a good grasp on what's happening in Beauregard Parish or Jeff Davis Parish, you know, out from that mm-hmm. kind of metro. What are you center. seeing
1: on the ground kind of thing?
0: Right. So they rely on those local folks. Well, what we discovered is that our local folks weren't engaging appropriately. And that's not to say that they didn't do their job because this technically uh, currently is a voluntary system in our state. Like these weather service people and the climatologist and these Climate folks, uh, it's just added to their job of whatever they do day to day. So, you know, it fell by the wayside. Uh, they had started doing it by the time we we got a hold of them because they had heard the public outcry too. But the lag that we saw, we believe, was was because of that lack of organization about the week to week response. So, we figured that out, and we got to give a shout out. To LSU because everybody started calling LSU because they thought the climatologist is housed there. This is all his fault. This is LSU's fault. You know, heads has got a roll. I mean, it got out of hand. And what we also discovered was that none of that is housed at the Ag Center, who we work with cl- most closely. But uh, Dr. Matt Lee, the VP there, dean of the college, uh, he didn't. He didn't roll over and say. That's not in my department, not my problem. He stood at our board meeting and took it on the chin and then turned around and has been working hand in hand with us and his team uh, to make sure this you know, gets right for the future. It's not Farm Bureau's responsibility, nor the ag centers, but that's why people count on us and depend on us because we work together and get it done. He's
1: ready to roll up the sleeves and like see what kind of solutions they can come with at LSU as well and, and partner and make sure this is handled and and not an issue year after year after year. One of the things we talked about, I mean, the short term is we got to get this map up to date and we got to make sure we have these programs in place and, and educate our farmers and ranchers about what these programs are that we have available now. Long term, what is, what is kind of the, the learning that happened here uh, and the hope for, I guess, what's the long term solution? Is, is there a long term solution for this?
2: So during our deep dive into how other states um, deal with the whole drought situation and how the University of Nebraska gathers their data from each state, Texas actually sets a great example. They have a very organized group of people that um, that basically get the draft on Monday, and they're a very cohesive group that sends one specific—I don't know how to describe— how better I mean, they're much more organized than what Louisiana is at this point.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's kind of the Farm Bureau model or it's it's it won't be um unfamiliar to AG because it's it's like what we do with the Farm Bill, for example. So a state gets this draft and rather than battle it out with all these emails back to the drought monitor of what all these opinions are and leave that author more confused, what Madison's describing these other states do, they have an organized where they, okay, thank you for this draft, we'll get back with you. And one voice comes back to the drought monitor with edits. But what happens in that war room, if you will, each Tuesday morning in Texas or North Carolina or Nebraska or some of these other states that we've found that are organized is where the difference is made. And so we've started doing that in Louisiana for the short term and have been successful in that and really moved the needle but what we're starting to look at now is what officially needs to happen whether that's, you know, changing laws if that's just asking administrators for updated work assignments for certain employees, you know, we don't know yet, but that's that's our long-term goal. I think it's important to note in the short-term goal as well. We haven't had to pull this out cuz the drought map has progressed, but a big part of our discussion and where it's important to have the political relationships that we hold was we had and have very influential congressional offices on standby to try and carve out a way that you know to make these programs work to petition the secretary of ag to change the rules essentially i mean those are long shots but we were prepared to do that and we were having to put all those ideas together at the same time of the way I always describe it is we play, we play the game in the rules that, you know, that are given to us, or we go change the rules of the game. So we're, right now, we're still playing the game with the rules we were given, but if they don't get us to a victory for our members, then we'll start talking to the people who can change the rules of the game. So nice. we, we were having to do both of those at once, and that's where, where it gets a little... Hectic.
1: Yeah, I was about to say you're 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 working on multiple scenarios and multiple solutions all at once while you're also trying to learn a whole new disaster system uh, and, and craziness. But so I have some extensive notes for all of our listeners here, extensive notes here in front of me. But one of the things I just wrote is success. Would we call this, I guess, effort by I'm going to say Louisiana Farm Bureau, but by all the parties involved Would we call this a success, our efforts there? Yeah, I would say uh it's it's a success that's not over with. They're still
0: and that's one thing I, I did want to point out earlier is another huge part of Madison and I's job and is when everybody else goes back to farming or they trigger LFP and they know they're going to get a check, it's just the honest truth that those folks don't think about this anymore like and then next year we get in a drought all over again. We'll be right back here doing the same song and dance. So, all this long term plan that we're talking about is where we really make the difference to where we work with the folks that we have relationships with who can make this better for the future to make sure they're still coming to the table. As an example, I've been working amongst all of this other stuff. I'm still working on the excessive rains of last August and how that impacts crop insurance and the crops that I work in. And that. so, We're here for the long haul. And that's something I know our members, they probably value even more than the short term. Could Amelia Kent have raised enough hell and talked to enough people to make, you know, some things happen in this drought situation without the Farm Bureau? Sure. She like she and other ranchers across this state were, but where it made a difference was when the organization of Farm Bureau and the staff of Farm Bureau that have the you know that are paid every day to look into this can make it organized. That's why you affiliate with an organization is so you're organized and have somebody looking out for you when you have to go
1: do your job when you have to get back to work yep. and can't quit. You can't keep making updates to the drop monitor, um, Madison. I, I'm gonna stop saying it, but you've been drinking from a fire hydrant. Yeah, for sure. This has been quite an education for you. But what uh, I guess what is your um, what kind of impression has it made on you? Like seeing kind of the grassroots of Louisiana Farm Bureau is something that Andy's been around it for a while. I've been around it. Like this is quite the introduction to the yeah. grassroots power of Farm Bureau. What what's what's your thoughts on that?
2: So I guess this goes hand in hand with the success question that you had. I do want to give a huge shout out to all of our members, farmers and ranchers in Louisiana. I think it was a huge success what you guys all did with the drought monitor. And I can't thank you guys enough for submitting everything that you um, did and making such a big deal uh, with with your outcry. That was a huge success. And I think my initial impression is um, I love it here and I love that I can... uh, that there are people that depend so heavily on uh, Andy and I and Brian's job every day. But I think the craziest thing is how heavily that our members and farmers and ranchers depend on very few people to get the job done. Um, and how much of an influence, the little things that we can do on a, on a daily basis, help our members, farmers and ranchers, just us go, or you guys going out and saying to um, to submit to see more created such a big deal for everyone in Southern Louisiana just to even move one degradation at a time on the drought monitor. That was a huge help and success. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning a lot as I go, but it's it's good to know that I can be of help eventually uh, when I educate <laughs> myself a little bit more, but I'm trying.
1: You're already there. You're already there. Um, I guess, what are our lessons learned in all this? I mean, are there, are there things that I mean, obviously, we're always learning, we're always figuring out, like last year, we're building on what we learned last year's in last year's drought. We're using, we're, I mean, so ideally, we're not back to exactly where we are again next year. What are some things that we figured out? I mean, I know y'all too just learned a lot about the drought monitor and how that's written, but mm-hmm. what are some things that we've learned that probably will benefit our mm-hmm. members moving forward in something like this again, even if it's not just the drought monitor, just
2: I think educating our members on the assistance programs that are available during disasters is a huge key that we need to like hone in on and um, inform our members of because, again, my parents didn't even know two of the assistance programs even existed. So informing our members of, that there is help out there and we can try and help them get to that point is really important.
0: Yeah, that'll be definitely something we continue to carry forward. I think I'm going to take a little different angle on that and just for our members, I hope what their lesson learned is or what I would encourage them to to think about is this is why there's value in attending a local parish farm bureau meeting so that eventually maybe you have a seat on that state board and you get to look Matt Lee and Commissioner Strain in the face and have the access that you, you know, had in this situation. So that you have relationships with, you know, you can find a way to the state climatologist rather than just hear his name thrown out there and that he's the problem. You have a relationship to Congresswoman Julia Letlow's office and Congressman Mike Johnson's office and you go down the list. Those things are what pay off in a time like this when you're just going and checking in on the parish budget and figuring out what you're going to pay a secretary to work and come to convention every year to eat a good meal and hear what's going on you know it it is a volunteer organization so it's not lost on us that we get paid to do this every day and we have people attending a lot of meetings i think amelia came to a meeting every day at the farm bureau for like 5 consecutive days while raising a little girl while trying to manage a commercial you know cow herd so that part's not lost on us, but there is value in that time, that volunteer time so that you know we can make your business better. That's ultimately what we feel like we are accomplishing is getting you help from the tax dollars that you spend. We're going to get them back to you when you need them. And without us here, maybe that wouldn't have happened.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's one thing I love about you, Andy Brown, you love to bring it back to the mission of Farm Bureau and being involved at that grassroots <laughs> yeah. level because that is that it's, that's where it all starts. I mean, some people will see the state board or they'll see, um, maybe an, an Amelia Kent or some of these livestock, other uh, some of these committee chair persons, and they maybe are like, Well, that's not me. There's already they don't need another me, they don't need another soybean farmer at that meeting to speak up, but we do, and that's that's what makes our our company so strong our organization is so powerful because we have voices from oystermen to cattlemen to every crop you can grow and that's a loud big voice that that carries a lot of stroke and it's really cool and and it's not just limited to the 18 men and women on our board and it's it's for everybody, and it's for, I think if any farmer is listening to this that's not on Farm Bureau, they sh- should reach out to their parish office and see how they can get more involved because it's um, it benefits you. And like you said, Andy, putting those tax dollars back in their pocket when a disaster comes their way, like that's that's our job here is to make sure that farmers at the end of the day are more, uh, are profitable and, and are making a good living and are able to continue to feed us because if it's up to us... I mean, if it, if it was up to me, we're all screwed. <laughs> so thank God for the farmers. But that's our job is to support them and, and help make sure that they can continue to do what they do. And So anything else about drought that we sh- should thank our farmers or ranchers about? Or Well, I'll just uh,
0: put my actual commodity hat back on and say that all the rest of our commodities are not lost in this. There's going to be, uh, thankfully, I heard from a soybean farmer today who said, well, drought crop crop insurance works pretty good when there's a drought like it we're we're going to trigger a payment not that they want to but at least the system works i'm getting crawfisher folks calling me every day because they don't have a program that relates to drought and i was working on that already the last two days so this isn't just lfp for cow calf producers we are taking a much larger look at this but you know rest assured we're going to keep We're going to do our
1: best to make sure this doesn't happen again the way it happened for those folks. Even after a rain comes and covers the entire state, (laughs) we're still going to keep working on this?
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I'd just like to reiterate the need to knows earlier, not only for livestock producers, but for anyone in any commodity in Louisiana. Um, It's important to look at those assistance programs and keep track of what you need. If and when that disaster situation does happen, just kind of be ready and don't let it sit on the back burner until next year when it happens again.
0: There's actually a bill, uh, farm bill, marker bill, that would require farmers to have a disaster management plan to qualify for uh, disaster programs. We will adamantly oppose that, and it's not going anywhere. But it's just, that's the kind of thing that you know we've worked hard on, too, is to in the between times, like Madison's saying, if you're not in disaster, don't forget it may come one day.
1: Well, guys, thank y'all for coming in and talking about drought. I know you're probably sick of talking about it, but <laughs> uh, I feel like as much as we've talked about it in a sense of we need people to to submit their their reports on Seymour monitoring and um, you know get the message out there that we are working on this, I feel like it's also important for us to share that we, you guys, we helped move the needle on that drought monitoring, got uh, a lot of farmers and ranchers into that. I don't want to say into that D3, you got the monitor to reflect what was there. And I think that's a that's a big success story to for us to tell. And I, I like the opportunity for us to talk about what you guys do. We we get thanks for
0: when we do this kind of work and my response to anybody, how how can we pay you back? How can we thank you for all this? Go find a neighbor and drag their tail to the parish Farm Bureau office and make them buy a membership and make them renew it every year because it's out there. But Ron Harrell, Madison's predecessor, used to say, if they're not a Farm Bureau member, they're a freeloader. And he could be that blunt. I'll, I'll put his uh, tagline behind that, but uh, it's true. We need you to get involved and get engaged so that we can keep fighting this for the next time.
1: That's it for this episode of the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I want to thank our guests, Andy Brown and Madison Plaisance, for joining me to share what they've learned during our drought and what they shared with us about the power of an engaged Farm Bureau member. Remember, your support means the world to us, so please share this episode with your fellow farmers, ranchers, and anyone interested in the resilience of Louisiana's ag community. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here next week on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast.